Welcome to Creator Talks, interviews with comic book writers and artists. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. On today's episode, I have two guests, Jeremy Hahn and Seth M. Peck. Now, Seth has written a number of comic books, and this is his first book that he's working on where he's writing the full script, and his partner, Jeremy Hahn, you're probably familiar with, working on the comic book and doing the art for The Beauty, which is published by Image Comics. Well, they're teaming up to work on a book called The Realm. It is a post-apocalyptic tale, 15 years in the future, involving orcs, dragons, and other horrors. The book comes out this Wednesday, 9-13, and is published by Image Comics. Now, Jeremy is supporting this book with a tour, the Realm Tour. We're going to talk about which cities he's going to be visiting and what he's going to be doing to support the book through the tour. And we're also going to talk about the music soundtrack. There is an EP that's going to accompany the series, one song per issue. You'll get a taste of that music on this show. The music is performed by Me Like Bees, and there'll be a link to a video that Jeremy actually directed and produced of Me Like Bees performing the first song supporting the book, going with the first issue. And the music will be available through iTunes. So going one step beyond creating just a playlist, they actually have created a song for each comic book. We're also going to talk about the hometowns of each of the creators and some fun facts about those locations and also what they like to do for rest and relaxation. So without further ado, let's get started with our conversation with Seth M. Peck, writer and Jeremy Hahn, artist on The Realm, here now on Creator Talks. Jeremy, welcome to Creator Talks. Hey, thanks for having me. And Seth, welcome to you as well. Oh, thank you very much. Great to have you both on the show. Jeremy, I see um, you had to take your kid to the mall to meet someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, he is 12, and suddenly girls have started really liking him, and so he got an invite to go hang out with a girl. And it's just a friend thing, but um, I, I think it's because he's oblivious that he doesn't realize that you know, but she was inviting him because uh, he's a little cute. Oh, he didn't know. Okay. That's well, well first, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to you, congratulations and uh, good luck. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting. My little ones aren't even close to that yet, but that'll be fun someday to deal with that. <laughs> See how the guys do. Yeah. Well, uh, welcome to the show. And, uh, Jeremy, I'll just start off with you. I want to talk a bit about The Realm, and it's a story you've wanted to write for years and tell for years, and uh, now you've finally had the chance. Everything's come into alignment, and this is going to work in everything that you like, has all those ingredients in there that you saw growing up, D&D, fantasy, and those Conan titles. And one thing I noticed about the book caught my eye was that the title, the font of The Realm, looks a lot like the title on those old ace paperbacks of Conan was that was that intentional was that were you trying to capture that vibe oh yeah yeah um, <laughs> actually yeah no i uh i'm obsessed with old especially especially those ace volumes but the uh the old conan novels um anytime i'm in a bookstore i pick up uh, mostly robert e howard stuff but you know any of the old pulp fantasy things and and i'm such a junkie for just the design of a lot of the stuff that was coming out. Uh, I, I love the the placement, the font. You know, obviously a lot of those books had the uh, the gorgeous Frank Frazetta artwork on the covers, but they just, 
they had such a specific feel. And um, when we started talking about the design, uh, my designer and letterer, Thomas Maurer, he's fantastic. And um, he immediately got what I was going for. And yeah, we <laughs> that's a good catch. Perfect. So Seth, when Jeremy decided it was time to do this book and he came to you with the concept, you were sold on it. Through and through, this is a collaboration between the two of you, no doubt. Are there things that you're adding into the mix as you go along that you came up with specifically? Boy, I'm sure there are. Uh, it, like you said, it, Jeremy kind of came in with the concept. So it, it, at this point, it's hard to tell kind of once you've thrown everything in there who who came up with what. Um, it's sort of all blended around now. Um, I think probably there are a few characters that I created or I sort of started with, but then certainly, you know, it very quickly into the process, you know, Jeremy gets involved and starts doing the design and um, he may respond positively to, to an idea I had or negatively or whatever. However, um, the concepts kind of evolve pretty quickly into something that we're both doing. So I don't think you could probably put a real clear delineation, you know, unless you were taking notes at the time as to where something came from. Now it's all kind of one big thing. I think we kind of look at, at the cast and the world sort of as, mutually you know having parented these things into existence and uh you know jeremy teases me that i may have a favorite character and vice versa but uh, I, I think it's very much a sort of a joint venture that, that would probably at this point be difficult to distinguish what came from where that's what i pretty much figure when you have a strong collaboration like that things really begin to blur because they're happening so quickly and unless you have a recorder of some kind you just don't know and frankly when you're in the moment you just don't care you know you just want to start creating things and having ideas so my question to both of you seth and jeremy i understand the cast will change over time they, the quest will evolve uh, right now the central character is will and he's kind of a living action figure uh, tell me a bit about him so we can understand more about the character and the other characters in the book. Like you said, Will is kind of, he's kind of a man of action type of guy. And I think every action oriented story sort of is, you know, um, has that sort of capable hero at the center. Uh, we tried to come up with some twists on Will and, and some things that will become apparent pretty quickly. I think um, even within the first issue that sort of, you know, his feet of clay and sort of where his, his liabilities are and what is going to make him fallible and, and maybe a little more interesting to people. Um, but it, it, like you said, also it is very much a cast of characters. And I think initially will appears to be the lead character. Um, but I think it pretty quickly turns into an ensemble cast. And you see that there's two or three characters that could, any of them could probably be argued that they're the lead, uh, you know, and sort of, sort of building from that that initial uh, introduction of Will, you, as the other characters come in, you sort of see where they fit into the big picture, and uh, you know, other people, whether it was through the creative process they became more interesting to us, or whether it's story driven, uh, there will be times where different people in the group will sort of step up to the front. We always intended it for it to be an ensemble piece. Um, but like Seth said, I think that we grew to love different characters more and more as, as things went on. Um, one of my favorite characters is Molly. She's the archer in the story. And um, we, we started out and, you know, you meet her in the first issue, but it's well after we've met Will. I really think that by the second issue, she's definitely the co-lead of the book. Uh, you know, I, at times I'm even... Yeah, like, let's let's give her the cool moments uh, just because she's so much fun to play with. 
So with these characters, uh, in particular in this book, you know, you have Molly and Rook in the series. These are not shrinking violets. Even though we love the pulps, we love Conan. This is not like, Eeg, save me, you know, that they're not like that at all. These are fully fleshed out, three-dimensional characters. Everyone in the ensemble cast is. I think everybody's probably their own knight in shining armor and, and probably their damsel in distress. I think everybody sort of has their moment of, of being uh, in need of help and their moment of sort of having that heroic point in their story too. Definitely don't see anyone in the cast as being uh, unable to sort of handle their own business. And, and I guess at the point where our story picks up, you know, it's, it's a good decade or so after this initial sort of apocalyptic event. So you could argue that anybody that's still around and surviving is probably um, tougher than most. I guess the, the shrinking violets probably, uh, you know, or were gone before our book ever started. They're pushing up daisies. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Another flower metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> now, something that's really cool about this series is that it's being accompanied by an EP written and performed by Me Like Bees. And so with each issue that comes out, at least I think maybe what the first five, there'll be a song that ties into the book that some way connects with the story in that issue. Yeah, that was uh, a lot of fun to get to build. I've known the uh, the band for years and uh, Luke Schaefer, the lead. What's that? I don't want to insult anybody by saying the lead, the, the, the front man of the band. Um, I've known him for years and we kind of talked back and forth about me coming on and doing a band poster for them at one point. And I had a specific idea. They were getting ready to go on tour. It would have been perfect. And due to just a scheduling conflict right in there, I wasn't able to actually do it for them in time for what they were wanting to do. Uh, and after that, you know, we talked back and forth saying, you know, over and over again, Hey, we need to work together. We need to work together. And when we started working on the realm, I started thinking about, you know, soundtracks and about um, Seth and I talked a lot, you know, we both are big music lovers and talked a lot about the bands that we listened to that kind of got us in the mood for this project. And I started thinking about it and said, you know, we should, we should make our own, our own playlist or something like that. But then why, why just stop at a playlist? Why stop at something that somebody else, you know, it's all licensed to music. We can't put it together. You know, we can't really make a, a, a mixtape of it. So why not take something that we, you know, we can use. And so I reached out to Luke and I said, let's, you know, let's do this thing. Let's, um, you know, would you, would you be willing to make a one song for the you know, a soundtrack for the book? And uh, he agreed and they got going on just one song, but then that actually quickly turned into an EP. They just, the band got excited about it. They wanted to do more. Here we are now with uh, five really Great, fun songs. What are some of the bands that each of you like to listen to and some of your favorite concept albums? Well, um, sort of timely in a sad way. I'm, a, I'm actually a big Steely Dan fan. Uh, Walter Becker passed away just yesterday as we were recording this. That's sort of one of those bands that's sort of been kind of a constant in my life from when I was a little kid. They were, you know, uh, my parents listened to them. And so I don't know that that's something I tend to put a lot. I, I, I listen to a lot when I write. You know, I listen to... Gosh, I like Nico Case. I like the new pornographers. Uh, I like the Shins. A little bit of everything, really. I like, gosh, Metallica, Helmet, Quicksand, older, like 90s hardcore bands. Uh, like I said, just a, probably a little bit of everything from, gosh, Kanye West and Tame Impala. My playlists are pretty all over the map. I don't really have a specific go to band. You know, a little bit of everything. I would say Jeremy and I like a lot of the same bands. I don't know 
uh, in terms of concept albums, I'm trying to think, I'm sure there's a bunch of them. I'm just not thinking of, or ones maybe I don't even realize they are concept albums. I'm the same way. I have a very uh, eclectic musical taste. So I couldn't, if someone says, what's your favorite? I'd be like, uh, well, I really couldn't just like, <laughs> yeah, I, I like the one, I don't know if it's a concept album, but Ben Folds did the, uh, the album with Nick Hornsby where Nick Hornsby wrote all the lyrics and Ben Folds wrote the music. So it's not really a concept album, but I, I like that quite a bit in terms of something that's sort of a unique collaboration turned into an album. Okay. How about you, Jeremy? I'm all over the place too. I mean, I really, I don't know. I'm listening to, you know, all sorts of stuff all the time. Um, you know, concept albums, you know, Bowie did a lot of fantastic uh, concept album stuff and he's kind of like one of my go-tos over the years. I, I found myself kind of building little soundtracks for projects as I go. And those are really crazy eclectic. There's just different things all over the place. When I write or when I'm working on thumbnails, I can't listen to lyrics. I have this weird mental block. I start listening to the lyrics and thinking about that instead of, you know, focusing on what I'm doing. So, you know, I listen to the Budos band a lot. They're kind of a funk kind of a soundtrack. You know, it's, it's all instrumental stuff. Uh, for this, I found myself... Uh, you know, before we were doing it, listening to a lot of instrumental stuff, a lot of soundtrack from like The Last of Us, the video game, and um, uh, Stranger Things, the soundtrack there. Um, there's this 90s band, it's, they're terrible. Uh, Marcy Playground, this band from the 90s for some reason, <laughs> really, really uh, kind of got me thinking about stuff. There's the song Cloaking Robe of Elvenkind. They did. It's talk. It's basically talking about playing D and D when you're a kid, and how you hide, you know, that stuff in the back of your closet. But uh, the Decemberists are another band that I really have listened to a lot when when working on this project. And and then like a lot of metal too, like uh, Mastodon and Ghost, especially for like the really yeah, brutal I, I stuff. Yeah, I listen to some Mastodon would be one, I guess. And Queens of the Stone Age. Now that I think about it, those are two that I would I had in pretty heavy rotation during a lot of that, and and kind of always like Queens of the Stone Age is kind of. I don't even know if they're intentionally concept albums, but a lot of their albums sort of seem thematically linked and kind of work well as a as a whole piece instead of just necessarily as singles. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, again, I'm writing an issue right now where I've been listening to the new Queens of the Stone Age album just came out, I don't know, maybe a week ago. So maybe that's my realm band is Queens of the Stone Age. I appreciate some of the suggestions that you made because I'm just starting to dip a little more into metal. I guess I've listened to everything else. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm having a midlife crisis or what, but I'm like, I want to listen to some metal. So I'm listening to more of that, like Panera and things yeah, that I, I missed. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, some of the more recent stuff gets a bad rap, but I, I've, I've always liked Metallica. I've not, I've not really been a metal guy traditionally, but something about older Metallica and some of the, you know, maybe sort of semi-metal bands like Soundgarden, Helmet and Quicksand are some 90s sort of New York, very clean-cut, hardcore metal bands, but some stuff that I like quite a bit, too. Faith No More. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I guess maybe more, than I, maybe more than I was thinking of at first. I guess <laughs> a lot more coming to mind. I was listening to a, bun, uh, to a bunch of Dio um, when we started working on this, too. Just, I yeah, a lot of that kind of crazy, fun and as a, yeah, as a, as a, I don't, I think we changed it in the final version, but there's a scene in the first issue where, I think it's the first issue where Ben is killing some orcs and he's whistling, and he was singing uh, Steely Dan song "Dirty Work." Yes. So I don't, I don't know if the final version I think is just whistling, but 
But as you read it, if you want to picture Steely Dan's dirty work, that was kind of what was going on there. So there's a little musical tie-in for the first issue. I did pick that up, yes. I was like, oh, very nice, very nice, well done. Well, and that's, yeah, and taking it back to Steely Dan, you know, especially in light of of, uh, yesterday's events, um, you know, we have been talking a lot about the band, and it's it's kind of funny. I was even playing Steely Dan in the car uh, as I was thinking about stuff, and we were driving the other day, and, and my kids were you know, listening to it too. And then my 12 year old was actually walking along kind of hum singing to it later. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I've done my good deed here. I shared, shared Steely Dan with my kids. They're one of my favorites too. And one of my favorite albums they had, it was a compilation album of all their greatest hits. It was like a two record set. It was put together so well, like the way all the songs flowed into each other. That's been my favorite one that kind of pulled the best of all the, the early albums. But uh, yeah, and people who listen to the show know I'm a huge David Bowie fan. You know, I've seen the man in concert several times. Yeah, I, I would say that's, I, I would have trouble talking to, I think, another human being that wasn't a David Bowie fan. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know how they process oxygen or what the, you know, <laughs> like they're from another planet at that point. Because if nothing else, I mean, he's done so much different stuff and stayed relevant over so long. If, if at some point in his career something didn't appeal to you, I don't know. Maybe you don't like music? I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, there's got to be something. The music video for this album, or the yeah, the first song, Jeremy, did you, you actually directed that for The Realm? Yeah, The River Divides. There is worse in the world than the wars in my head. In the morning... When I, with bitter breath, see a death in my sky In July, we ride through the city that the river divides There is worse in the world than the wars in my head Take it or leave it, you're here in Joplin, uh, in, in my hometown, Joplin, Missouri. Um, we're not actually a bombed out wasteland like you might think. Um, yeah, I was going to say, maybe not the, the traveling board from Joplin may not be on board with uh, <laughs> you saying that that's where you shot the video. It was in some of the less scenic areas. Okay. Right. No, it was on Main Street right there. It was, uh, yeah. No, um, <laughs> Joplin, it was a mining town. Joplin actually, um, it's funny, over the years, the city in i believe it was the 50s and then especially into the 70s the city really tried to whitewash our reputation quite a lot um we were basically known as the deadwood of the midwest it was a mining town it was really really rough uh we had crazy stuff that went on here uh bonnie and clyde spent a lot of time here um in fact my house is an old uh doctor's house he was one of the big doctors in joplin and uh they showed up here in the dead of night and got patched up 
uh, one time in in my uh, my studio space is, is the old uh, doctor's office behind the house. Oh, and wow. Yeah, so uh, Joplin was a crazy place, but as a mining town, of course, you end up with a lot of, you know, mining areas and, and chat piles. Chat's, you know, basically rock that gets broken down to just little bitty tiny pieces as they get everything else they need out. And um, so, yeah, we shot that at the chat piles. We shot at a couple of abandoned locations. You know, we're going through a real renaissance as the town. And a lot of stuff's getting fixed up. But, you know, we kind of found our way into some of the rougher looking places and did some shooting there. It was a lot of fun. Uh, It was a a big project. And maybe I, I don't know if I would advise people to always try to be, you know, creating and marketing a new project while trying to draw it and maybe taking on a directing project at the same time. But I'm so happy with the way it came out. It's a lot of work, I would imagine. Like, would you, if you had to estimate, how many hours do you think you put into planning that, shooting it, editing it, and getting it all ready to go? I actually know we spent about 40 hours in the editing suite mm. um, alone. Uh, probably, I mean, all told between, you know, because I... You know, I sat down with the band. We started working on the concepts. I did storyboards for it. We went out and did all of the location scouting. I mean, I probably spent nearly three weeks just specifically working on that. You know, completely full time. Maybe even maybe even more than full time during that. It was a lot of hours. Well, it looks great. I mean, it's very very polished. Like people have to check this out. It's uh, it's on the site for the realm, but there won't be a video for each issue. I mean, you're just it's just a song for each issue. Yeah, it's just a song for okay. each issue. We wanted to do. We we've been discussing doing. Uh, <laughs> I it's we we're, we're too excitable. Uh, <laughs> Luke from the band and I. When we get together, we we kind of push ourselves in the best, worst ways. This started out as one song. It was just going to be The River Divides. And then it, then it ended up being five songs. And then it ended up being five songs and a music video for The River Divides. And just the other day, we were like, maybe we could do like one more bonus track. And maybe we could do one more music video. And I don't know that right now either of us have the extra time to pull all that off. First of all, I'm so devoted to this project. Working on the realm altogether has been my life for a year, and it's probably been my hardest yet best project ever in my career. And so uh, I, I keep finding myself taking on extra things, little bonus things that are probably half crazy, but um, I just do it because I love working on this series. Well, given that this is like your dream to work on this project and the two of you work so well together and have such synergy. You'll probably have no problem if everyone goes out and buys these issues and follows the series to getting to a trade. And then when you get to a trade, then you do the bonus track. Exactly. Well, I've been, we are definitely going to obviously have the the EP available via iTunes Mm -hmm. and normal, you know, normal digital places. We also are definitely going to do a CD release for that. We are talking about doing a special edition version of the trade itself. We're talking about doing a, I I would like to do a hardcover release of the first trade, but then we want to do a vinyl. Like that's, that's our, you know, I would love to release an album that way. And the band's into it. We're into it. It's just now figuring out all the logistics for how to make it happen. You know, we've, we've basically got about six months to uh, figure it out. 
it's something we want to do. Just going back to the, the town of Joplin, and I was doing a little research on it, and you mentioned Bonnie and Clyde. And one thing I found out, Bonnie and Clyde, they were there in like 1933. They had a shootout. Mm-hmm. Killed a couple of cops. They had to get out of town fast. And I thought this was amazing. They left their camera behind. Mm-hmm. And they, they took the film out of the camera. And a lot of the iconic images of Bonnie and Clyde posing are from that camera being left behind in Joplin. In Joplin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That was, like I said, it was a pretty crooked town. And, uh, you know, they, they did hang out here quite a bit. There's actually a, a famous house that they... Uh, over on the south side of town that they stayed in. Yeah, and they had to get out and left that camera there. We've, we've actually got some really beautiful uh, reproductions of it uh, around town, uh, some of those photos. But yeah, I, I, I was actually, when we were doing our city market, we were looking at some of those photos. And you, you think about, in the film, you think, oh, maybe they were too pretty in, in the movie. You know, she couldn't have been as, as lovely as uh, Faye Dunaway. But um you know, they were really, really good-looking people, too. They were they were wild and crazy, but they were a good-looking couple. Now, Seth, I don't want to leave you out. The town you grew up, any gangsters come through? <laughs> <laughs> or just tell me about the town. Uh, I'm from St. Louis, you know, the uh, gateway to the Midwest. And uh, we have the Arch and the Cardinals and the Blues. Let's see, John Goodman and Robert Guillaume. John Hamm. John Hamm is a St. Louis guy. About half the cast of The Office is from St. Louis, but I grew up in the same area as uh, Pam, Jenna Fisher from The Office. So it's not exactly, uh, you know, Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrows, but it's uh, it's TV's Benson and uh, Dan from Roseanne and, uh, and uh, a lot of World Series titles. I'm not real well versed in the history of the town beyond what most people already know. I don't know. There's a lot of murders in St. Louis, so uh, it's still dangerous if... Uh, if that's if that's your thing, I've been there actually. I was there in the '90s, and uh, I went up into the arch, and I was shocked right, to well. yeah, I, I was shocked to learn that it was metal. Yeah, and it kind of rocks a little bit when you're mm-hmm. up there. It sways, um, yes. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not as sturdy as it you would think it would be. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I I live in Kansas City now. So I'm, I live in Overland Park, which is a suburb of Kansas City. But uh, yeah, I love St. Louis. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge hockey fan. I'm a huge Blues fan. I go back for games and uh, follow the Cardinals. And uh, so yeah, I, I like St. Louis. I like Kansas City. You know, like I said, Kansas City has uh, been home for the longest now. But just bought a house like two weeks ago. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm still unpacking. Yeah, I love it. I love it here. We've got a good, good comic community here. There's a lot of writers and artists that live in the area or have lived in the area. Uh, Matt Fraction, Kelly Sue DeConnick uh, lived here for a long time. Tony Moore was here for a long time. And then there's still a lot of folks around Andy Parks and Clay Moore and uh, Jason Aaron's Jason up there. Jason Aaron, Dan Hopeless. Yeah, Jason Aaron lives just down the street, not far away at all. There's still a, a pretty good comic book community here, and uh, it's a lovely town. Nice low cost of living and uh, suburban Midwest. Well, Seth, I have to tell you about St. Louis when I said I was shocked to learn that the arch was metal. The reason why I was surprised, and this ties into comics, is that when I was younger, I read a comic, The Fantastic Four, where they fought the Hulk on top of the arch, okay. and it was crumbling All right. like concrete. <laughs> so oh, so I was yeah, like, 
<laughs> Go ahead, look up. You'll yeah, see it's crumbling. I, I think it would have been really hard to make it out of concrete. Now, yep. you, when you said you thought it was made, I didn't really give it a whole lot of thought specifically. But yeah, you're right. I would not crumble. No, um, I don't. I don't know that I've ever seen that comic, but that's uh, that's pretty funny that they would. I don't think that the arch would support the Hulk's weight. I don't know. If it sways when a group of you know when, when my third grade class went up and it swayed, I think the Hulk would probably be uh, Hulk would be more than my third grade class. So. <laughs> maybe not structure. Maybe doesn't have the structural integrity to support superhero fights, but um, it's nice that they gave the city a little spotlight there. Should we uh, send in for a no prize on that one? By the way, we can. <laughs> yeah, it might have been nice yeah. if the Hulk and the Fantastic Four stop you know some of the murders that happened there, but you know whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, Seth, how long have you been teaching? Uh, this is actually only my second year. Um, I went back and got my master's a couple of years ago, and it was my second year teaching high school. My emphasis is in special education, but I'm teaching mostly 11th grade English right now. And I love it. I love teaching. I like working with kids outside of writing. I don't think I've ever done anything that felt sort of like it fit. You know, you kind of, when you find the job, you like it. it sort of feels like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I didn't really have that feeling. You know, I used to work in an office and kind of do drone work and that sort of thing. And uh, it wasn't until I got into teaching and, you know, working with high school students that I really sort of felt like I was doing something that was both comfortable and I felt like I was doing a good job at it. So yeah, I really like it. I'm, I, you know, I love to read. I love to talk about books and that's mostly what you do in English class, especially 11th grade where they're really sort of analyzing what they read more than they are, uh, you know, more than it is grammar and sort of the mechanics of English. It's a lot more analysis of literature and they're not looking out the door like seniors are in 12th grade. So it's, it's kind of a good sweet spot of sort of not being squirrely like freshmen and not being ready to get out of there. So I like it quite a bit. You know, I like the books we teach. It's nice to go into work every day and look forward to being there. And then I also coach debate and uh, academic decathlon. So I work with groups of kids after school. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Have you done a lot of comics work before this particular uh, series? Not a lot. No, I've done a couple, you know, I did some anthology stuff, uh, a couple image anthologies. I did like 24-7, Ivan Brandon's anthology, uh, worked with Roscoe Albuquerque on that. And then I did uh, Tor Amos anthology. I've done a couple, did part of a miniseries, and, and I did, actually did a miniseries with Rick Remender there and Francesco Francavilla. And then another series that I did with Clay Moore and Ty Walker and Ed Tatum. And I'm trying to think of what else. A few other little things here. And then, then I did a Wolverine miniseries at Marvel and four issues of, like, the adjective free X-Men. That might be about it. I'm sure I'm probably overlooking something. But And then we did the Bad Karma Project together, Jeremy and I and Clay and Alex Grecian. And I think that might be it. So, yeah, I, I dabble. You know, it's never been a full-time gig for me. And with, you know, how I feel about teaching, I don't foresee it ever being a full-time gig. But this is my first foray into kind of something that's, I'm the only quote-unquote writer. I mean, Jeremy obviously is a big part of that. But, yeah, this is my first time to kind of be doing something solo in terms of writing scripts and doing books. And, Jeremy, I know you're working on some other things, too. We have uh, actually Volume 3 of The Beauty came out about a week ago. What's next for Beauty? Because I think 17, the next arc's coming out in November. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be out in November. We are writing on issue twenty right now. Issue nineteen, I believe, is being drawn. It's you know we're just having fun with the series. We've got, I think maybe this week, a couple of in- interesting announcements coming up with the series. <laughs> I'm curious how that's gonna go. Uh, 
But, you know, we, we're working with really good people. We've got Matt Dow Smith is drawing issue 17, and it's the return of one of the most love-to-hate characters, uh, Mr. Calaveras from the first arc. He's this uh, masked psycho killer, and uh, we kind of get to learn a little bit more about him in issue 17. Um, 18, Thomas Nashlick uh, returns. He uh, drew the lion's share of, of the previous arc, and uh, we loved working with him. He's just a good guy and somebody that's that's very, very easy to work with, and so we've got him back. But, you know, we, you know, the thing about these long-form series is, is that, you know, we can kind of tell stories forever. We have a lot of stuff that we'd like to tell, a lot of stuff we'd like to examine. Being able to continue doing those is always dependent on, you know, making the sales work. You know, the trades are always very, very solid. You know, singles dip down. And I think that that's the thing. Everybody kind of wants something new and something hot. We would like to continue for a little while. I'm not exactly sure how long that's going to be. But, you know, we do have stories. Any plans for work in the future with... uh... Clay Moore. God, he's a horrible human being. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure I've talked to him uh, before. He's okay. <laughs> you no, know, no. Plays, plays great. I would like to get back. I mean, we keep talking about doing more Battle Him. Yeah. Um, I think the problem is, for me, it's always that, you know, I I can only draw so fast. And especially working on on books that are as visually insane as the realm that takes me long enough to draw. Sometimes adding something else in is really, really hard to do. I would love to get back to more battle him. We actually have a story that we would like to tell. I'm just not sure that it's going to happen, you know, anytime soon, especially with stuff that I'm just so excited for and passionate about already on my plate. Maybe at some point we'll see all that come together. Questions I have for both of you. I ask these of all my guests. They're just, you know, just fun questions to learn a little more about you. Seth, we'll start with you. What do you like to do for rest and relaxation? Uh, man, that's a good question. I don't feel like I get much of that. Um, I like to read, I guess, if I, you know, it's probably my favorite thing to do. Uh, I'm a big board game player. I love board games. Um, so I play a lot of those. A little bit of video games, you know, hang out with my kids, play with the dogs. You know, not nothing too earth-shattering or exciting. Probably reading and board games, if I had to pick two things that were just purely for me to relax. I'm starting to play a little bit of games that involve miniatures, and I've been doing some painting with those and stuff, and kind of um, trying to teach my big, giant, clumsy hands to do a little bit more delicate work. And that's surprisingly sort of a meditative process for me. It's kind of relaxing, and I've been doing a little more of that. So nothing too exciting, stuff that's kind of quiet and to me exist outside my own head for a little while, I guess would probably be my, my go-to relaxation activity. And Jeremy, how about you? <laughs> Working in comics doesn't really allow much downtime. That's the, I think that when you're, you know, 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week drawing things, um, sometimes it gets a little tricky to find time for other things. For me, the things that I, well, and I guess I digress a bit, but like, um, when you when you're also doing what you like doing, it's very very hard to turn it off. I like drawing. I like telling stories. So sometimes I realize that I'm stressing myself out by working such long hours. But I also I don't know what else I would like as much as getting to draw crazy stuff all the time. I do enjoy. I really love cooking. It's kind of my zen place. I don't get to do it enough. You know, we just we were on vacation just about a month ago and. I cooked for the family every night 
And, you know, I just, I love the process. I like, you know, finding the ingredients. I love putting things together. It's a lot of fun. I do play a few video games. I've been playing a lot of Friday the 13th video game. It's, it's fun trying to not get killed by Jason. And then uh, recently, you know, I hadn't played um, any role-playing stuff in years. And uh, Seth and I kind of got back into board games and role-playing games about the same time when we started working on this project. We were, you know, looking at the books and talking about things so much. I think it sparked something there. I've had a, um, a Pathfinder group that I've been playing with, you know, at least every other week lately. And... I, man, it's it's so much fun just getting together with people and being creative and bumbling our way through these scenarios. <laughs> My character's such a jerk. <laughs> it's, it's fun to play. Now, Jeremy, staying with you, if you were stuck on a deserted island and you only had one book with you, what would that book be? God, it better be a long book. Um, one book. Why do you do this stuff to people? You're a horrible human being. <laughs> it would probably have to be something good and long. So I'm going to choose the stand as my book. I wanted to go with To Kill a Mockingbird because it's just, you know, a favorite book, but the stand would probably give me longer, you know, more hours of actual reading entertainment. Now, Seth, you've had a chance to think about it. How about you, your deserted island book? Well, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird is my all-time favorite book. I named my daughter Harper Lee after Harper Lee, but I've read it so many times that I don't, I can probably almost, because we teach it in school too, so I could almost recite it probably. And then my second favorite book is Fahrenheit 451. So I might go with something more recent. There's an author I like that kind of writes weird fiction. His name's Laird Barron, and he's got a lot of short stories, but he's written two novels, and one of them is called The Lightest Darkness. And it's probably my like current obsession that I've read multiple times in the last couple of years. So I, I might take that. It's one of those things that I'm kind of always finding new angles with. And assuming I'm on this island sometime in the near future, uh, I probably won't have read it that many times yet. So I'm going to go with Laird Barron's The Light of the Darkness as my, as my deserted island book. Now you're off the island. What is your beverage of choice? I used to drink a ton of Diet Pepsi, but I've really scaled back both the caffeine and whatever weird chemicals are in there. So I still like coffee. I like iced tea. Assuming this isn't like Desert Island drink, right? This is I'm, right. I'm not just not survival based. All right, no. I will just go with a cup of coffee. I, that's probably the, the drink I look forward to having the most during the day outside of just plain old water, which is kind of a boring answer. So I'll say coffee. And Jeremy, yours. Well, I, I love coffee too, but um, I've been trying to cut back because I think in my old age, I'm getting, getting a little jittery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going the opposite direction, and I love a good old-fashioned. So, you know, just some good whiskey and uh, a couple of cherries in there, a little bit of orange, some bitters. Very good. Yeah, I know you have a lot to do. You're getting ready for a tour, Jeremy. Uh, the, the Realm Tour is starting soon. Uh, starting in Portland, Rose City Comics first. You'll be passing around my neck of the woods. The closest to me is going to be Allentown, uh, Beachhead Comics on 916. And something I might try to get to and say, hey, is Annapolis Third Eye Comics, 927. I'm so excited to get. Uh, this tour is going to be fantastic just based on all of these shops that I've either been to and really love or shops that I've always wanted to go to. And then, of course, just a couple in there that, uh, you know, Beachhead in in Allentown, uh, it's their grand opening. And inviting me to be a part of that's a fantastic thing. Um, I also get to go to Bedrock City Comics, 
which is in Houston. Uh, they've got two locations that I'm going to, and they've been through a lot lately. I mean, it's been been pretty bad with the uh, the hurricane and the flooding and everything. And so I'm excited to get down there. I'm talking with them about the best way to do it. I think I'm going to donate some artwork for raffle for that. I'm actually looking at maybe trying to even do it at every shop along the way on the tour, raffling a couple pieces of artwork and then donating it to you know to the hurricane the hurricane relief in Houston. That's really nice. And you'll also be at uh, New York City Comic Con, and you're going to end in your hometown. Yeah, yeah, we're going to end up back in Joplin. We uh, Along the way, on uh, September 20th, I'm going to be in Kansas City. Uh, you know, Seth will be there for that one. We're going to do, we're doing a hometown exclusive variant. Phil Hester and Andy Parks came in and did that cover for us. You know, they're local Kansas City area guys. And so... The, the hometown variant is going to be available at Elite Comics on September 20th. And then it's also going to be available in, in Joplin here uh, on, on October 14th. Yeah, we're going to have some big, uh, big events going on around those. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to reading the whole series. Uh, like the first issue and looks great. Reads great. A uh, lot of fun. And I know you're enjoying it and it definitely shows. I can always tell when creators are really doing something they've always wanted to do. It shows in the work. And I wish you both the best of luck. Jeremy and Seth, thank you so much for being on Creator Talks. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And thank you for the kind words. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Creator Talks. The podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. If you like what you hear, please rate and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't miss a single episode each Thursday. Subscribe. It's free. A new interview will be available each week, and sometimes there'll be a second, maybe even a third interview that week. You can send me feedback and comment on social media. I can be reached at Creator Talks Pod, that's at Creator Talks Pod on Facebook and Twitter. I'm also available on Instagram, Creator Talks Pod. There I will post pictures while I'm on location, as well as my Saturday Silver Age or Older and Sunday Bronze Age Spotlight comics from my personal collection. Don't forget to visit my website, creatortalks.com. There I have listed the latest episode on the homepage, plus a playlist of all the episodes to date that you can listen to online or download. In addition, on the site, I will be posting my recommended reading picks, as well as written interviews with creators. Also on my YouTube channel are video interviews with creators on location at comic conventions and elsewhere. I know you have a lot of entertainment to choose from and a lot of podcasts to choose from as well. And I thank you for making the time to listen to this one, your best source for comic book writers, artists, and creators. There are more interviews in the works, and you never know who it might be. It is my distinct honor and privilege to speak to these creators and bring you those interviews each week. I'd like to thank my executive co-producer, who makes this possible, Mrs. Calloway. That's all for now. For Creator Talks, I'm Christopher Calloway. Until next time.